Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howie Jacobson. My day job is as a coach, helping people live better lives. I coach executives and leaders. I coach entrepreneurs and I coach civilians who are looking to improve their lives, their health, their relationships. Basically, it allows me to do what I didn't think was possible, which is to help people completely erase bad habits and different ways of being, erase negative feelings and replace them with positive ones rather than just help people develop new strategies to compete with the old ones or new thought patterns to debate the old thought patterns. And I'm looking for people to work with. And I have reduced my rates a lot so that I can just get as much practice in as I can. So I am going to raise them back up to my normal fees. But right now I just need a lot, a lot of practice and feedback and I have teachers and mentors. So if you're interested in getting my best coaching better than I've ever done at a big discount, email me hj at plantyourself.com. So let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast. This is me walking around where I live in Spain and just kind of doing a little bit of a stream of consciousness, talking about some stuff that I've been thinking about, Um, partly because I've had a lot of people who heard on the podcast that I have moved here and are very curious about it. You know, I did a bunch of in the woods uh, episodes where it was just me sort of talking and thinking and rambling in the woods of my rural home in North Carolina. So this is obviously very different. I'm walking down the street where I live. um, And since I started recording, I have now reached uh, the fruit and vegetable cellar, which, you know, opens around nine o'clock every morning, closes around seven o'clock every evening and is about 50 steps away from my home. So since this this is the Plant Yourself podcast and it's... uh, you know, the original theme was all about food, healthy plant-based food. I figure I could start there. And like, it's an amazing difference. We have a small kitchen with a small refrigerator and a small freezer in North Carolina. We kind of got into prepping a little bit and we live 20 minutes from anywhere. So we went shopping, we bought a lot of stuff so we wouldn't have to go shopping every day. We actually had, you know, a big suburban refrigerator freezer in the kitchen and then two chest freezers. So, you know, we, we would kind of look at ourselves and, you know, shake our heads like, why do we need five bags of frozen cherries from Costco? Well, you know, what if, uh, you know, a hailstorm comes and takes out all the roads and the grid and everything. And so, uh, you know, we can keep things cold there and we can, uh, well, anyway, so we, we, you know, kept all our, our food was in our home. It was, and here... We have a very, you know, we don't have room for it. So it feels like we're, we're keeping our, our food in the grocery store until we need it or here in, in, the, in the green grocer. So I'm standing here looking at, people are walking by and think I'm crazy because I'm talking to myself. Um, but that's okay too. I'll talk more about that in a little bit. So I'm looking at, uh, you know, right, just as you walk past, there's uh, fruit cups. On, on ice, there's watermelon, there's pineapple and, and blueberries, and then uh, looks like there's there's figs and different kinds of pe- three different kinds of peaches and mangoes and oh, albarok, which I think are apricots maybe nectarines, 
avocados, cherries, um, and I think those are just sort of the local, local stuff. And they also sell some frozen stuff. We actually get tofu here. I'm looking at the jars, and there's they, here they don't have cans of beans and things. They're in, in, in glass jars, which obviously is not uh, a BPA issue. So that's kind of fun. Uh, there's tomatoes, watermelon, bananas, either from the Canary Islands or Cameroon, and then all the all the veg. See broccoli. I came down this morning, got some mushrooms, and it looked like uh, water spinach. Just uh, just threw that into a wrap for breakfast. So that's really fun. There's also a, a supermarket um, about a five six minute walk up the hill. That's much more you know supermarkety with you know aisles and frozen sections. So um, they have little bags of, of mixed frozen fruit, which. Um, we bought a, uh, a 50 euro uh, blender, which is not a Vitamix. I did a lot of research and turns out the Vitamix uh, was probably not going to work here, even if I got some you know, giant $100 uh, power converter. So uh, you know, one, one of the things that's been interesting is like deciding what's, what was important about my old life that doesn't seem to be that important now and some of it was you know decisions some of it is just like well you know you could get a Vitamix they sell them on Amazon.es Spanish Amazon for like 700 euros and euros are a little bit more than dollars at the moment so a year is about a dollar ten so it's you know $750 for the same Vitamix that I got at Costco refurbished for like $2.99 um, don't have an instant pot you know we don't have enough uh, counter space for all of the appliances, our Breville oven, uh, you know, juicer and, and, and all these things. So, like, living simply has become kind of a virtue. We're, we're cooking simple foods. Um, we're, we are doing um, sort of bowls, like acai-type bowls, because they have really good acai places here, but it's, you know, 11, 12 euros for a single meal and it's like oh for you know for one euro 45 I can make that myself with just these frozen fruits and some uh, oat milk and a couple of bananas and then just you know just add whatever toppings I want so uh, you know that that shift when we first came here we really didn't have much of a kitchen at all so we were eating out a lot and we were also saying well you know we're we're kind of feeling like we're on vacation and we're really tired but now we, we're here we live at this place and we have an apartment that we've rented for a year so uh, moving into kind of you know real life as opposed to this sort of travel uh, experience so where are we I'm now walking I walk down from my house and you should be able to maybe hear the ocean in the background. I'm heading down to San Sebastian Beach. We don't live in Barcelona City. We live in Barcelona, um, I, don't, I guess it's a municipality. It's uh, in the, the, uh, the state is Catalonia or Catalonia. Um, and for those of you who didn't know, like I really didn't know until I was almost ready to come here, they don't speak Spanish here as their primary language. It's Catalan which is sort of like someone described to me as, like my daughter said, if, uh, if Spanish and, and French uh, moved to Portugal and had a love child, that's what this language is. So it's, uh, you know, it's sort of French, like merci is thank you, but it's kind of spelled phonetically. 
so they don't have all the letters that are silent as in French and the pronunciations is sort of Portuguese reminding us. So here I am at um, Playa San Sebastian, St. Sebastian's Beach. I would say there are about three, four hundred people here. It's uh, about a 200 meter long beach and maybe 30 meters wide from the, from the board, from the promenade to the water edge at its deepest place. Uh, a lot of families here. Uh, maybe maybe 150 people in the water and then people sitting, tanning, beach umbrellas. Um, pretty much every beach in Spain is that I've seen is topless. So that's, uh, that's something to get used to. Uh, there are fully nude beaches. There are gay beaches here. So I'm not in Barcelona City. I'm in a, a town called Sitges, which is spelled S-I-T-G-E-S. And we are here through a, a confluence of events. Um, but what, one was, after living in um, rural North Carolina for nine years, the jump to fully urban was a little bit too much for us. It was just, we loved, you know, the, the excitement of the city and all things you could do and the museums and the restaurants and the the beach and the public transportation and a really good metro system and, and the architecture and the history and the culture and all the people and all that. But from, I think, a neurological perspective, it was just getting to be a bit too much. Plus, the place where we um, had our, our sort of Airbnb-ish type place for um, June and July happened to be uh, a place called Barceloneta, which is the, the old town by the beach and apparently it has become a sort of tourist hub for foreigners so the locals aren't really crazy about the tourists who tend to like get drunk and be very very loud there are lots of sort of hanging banners over the uh, the balconies of apartments like asking people to like be respectful and be quiet in the evening and we actually had to sign something with our landlord saying that we would not make any noise from 10 p.m. until 8 a.m. But apparently we were the only people who had to sign that or who, you know, actually followed it because there was a lot of noise, uh, a lot of you know, drinking, carousing. There are a bunch of festivals all over Spain all the time, and many of them involve marching bands and fireworks. And like our, literally our first weekend in our new place was a two-day nonstop marching band festival under our window. So after about a month of this, we kind of felt like we were going to go nuts if we didn't um, find a different place to live. So we were, we were looking, we found, you know, went online, found these websites, and we're looking at different neighborhoods in Barcelona. And they were, we're looking sort of farther out from the main city, from where all the tourists are. Um, and we weren't finding anything that looked even like remotely inspiring, like this is why we moved to Europe. It was, it was, they, the places were sort of small, uh, uninspiring, kind of depressing. And we weren't really sure what we were, what we were going to do, you know, based, based on our budget. Because uh, one of the things that's happened in the cities in Spain is the prices of real estate have gone way up, uh, partly due to, you know, people like me coming um, with, you know, disposable American income, 
um, in, you know, investors buying up property and trying to turn it into rentals and Airbnbs. So I couldn't be sort of too high and mighty about that since I'm part of the wave that was the problem. But we weren't finding anything. And then our kids, who had moved to Barcelona in January, so you know, five and a half months before we arrived, and we're fr frankly the reason that we came here, um, they wanted to do a, a day trip to this town called Sitges, which is about 40 minutes south on, by a train um, on the coast. And we read about it and watched videos. It's a real interesting place. It's like a gay mecca. Um, it's a very old town with sort of beautiful architecture. It reminds Mia of like a Greek island, sort of a very old whitewashed plaster walls. There is a like a line, an outline of, of sort of deep purplish blue painted on the on the ground just you know, between the cobblestones of the street and pretty much every one of the buildings in the old town. I'm walking through the passage. There's a lot of wind right here. So the buildings, you know, the architecture is kind of very narrow streets, tall buildings, which will give you a good breeze, which is important because now it's about 91 degrees and 70% humidity here. Uh, it's a hot August. I'm recording this on the 2nd of August. So now I'm walking along. Um, I can see to my left, there's the Balearic Sea, which is a part of the Mediterranean. <coughs> and then on the right is like an old church that's a museum, and there's a bunch of people here selling jewelry and, uh, and tourist stuff and whistles. And, so folks are sitting with their with their boomboxes playing their music. So we came here for the day, and the minute we stepped off the train, it was so much quieter. Some of the buildings were short, were smaller. There was, you know, it's a, it's a it's a town. It's not a big city, and it was charming. And we suddenly we both looked at each other. And we said, "Oh, this feels really good." So we spent the day. Went to the beach. Had some. There was like a you know. Plenty of vegan food. It looked like this is sort of a place that was culturally compatible with what we were looking for. And so the next day we started looking for places here. Um, also, um, I had talked to someone whom I was um, interested in becoming friends with, an author that I really like. And I noticed from his the dust jacket of one of his latest books that he said he lives in Barcelona. So I had reached out and said, hey, you know, I love your books. I'm not, you know, a weird Kathy Bates stalker, but I would love to, uh, to buy you a coffee and hear about Barcelona. And, and uh, he, he mentioned that he lives actually in Sitges in this town. So those things kind of came together in my mind to think, oh, this might be a good place to live. So... Here we are. We, have, we looked at a bunch of places. We have a small two-bedroom uh, apartment, again, with a small kitchen, as I mentioned. It is in the old city, which is great and terrible. It's great because it's so beautiful and charming, and like, like everything's you know, nearby. I'm five minutes walk from the train station and the supermarket, um, three minutes from the beach. So now I'm walking along... Um, Playa Fragata, which is the, or Placha in, in Catalan, the Fragata Beach, the frigate, 
So apparently there used to be a, 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 a sort of an armada here of uh, gunships that would, um, that would protect uh, the waterways into Barcelona. And so uh, you, can see, you can see the whole big holes in the wall where the frigates would be tied up. And there's a, uh, a replica of a cannon on the wall where the cannons used to be. And I'm walking past a sort of a mooring area for, for a lot of sailboats. Now there's two bells. It's 4.30 in the afternoon from the old church. Uh, so if I'm nearby here in uh, half an hour, you'll hear uh, the, the full five bells tolling. So found this place and here we are. We've been here since July 7th. So it's been a little over three weeks and it does get very noisy at night still. So we're, we decided, you know what? We have to get used to this. We, you know, we're used to owls and um, birds and squirrels and cows lowing in the distance and uh, coyotes howling sometimes, uh, gunshots from hunters, but you know, a lot of different noises. So our, our street gets cleaned roughly every day around 2 a.m. by a, a sweet street sweeper that's blowing some, you know, dropping some water and then the brushes. There's also every night from 8 until midnight they drop off the, the garbage and recycling bins something comes and collects that in the middle of the night as well. There's a, we're also down the street about a hundred yards from one of the most popular bars in the city, El Cable, the, the cable or the wire. And so there's a lot of uh, people walking back up the street or heading back to their, their hotels or the train. Um, this is, I think this is true that uh, Spanish or Catalan conversation is much louder on average than American. So, you know, very often I'm walking, I'm hearing people having conversations that kind of my nervous system tells me are like fierce arguments just from the, the volume and the intensity of the speech, but it's actually just friends talking to each other. So I don't know if you heard when I was standing in front of the greengrocer, there was a little bit of shouting, sort of two men who were very good friends, one of them snuck up on the other and gave him a little bit of a, of a startle. And that's, that's what that was about. I didn't comment then because I didn't want to be rude. So now I'm passing uh, La Fragada Beach and I'm heading towards uh, another much longer beach. It's also very family friendly. And so I guess the thing that has been most on my mind, so I'm feeling pretty untethered, like just existentially, like in life. Like I... We moved to have an adventure, to kind of get out of some ruts, to, to see what else was, was, was possible for us, to be with our kids, to, you know, honestly, I wasn't crazy about where the politics and the culture of the U.S. and specifically North Carolina was going. I really wanted to live in a place where I didn't need a car and where public transportation would let me get wherever I wanted to go and kind of be more carbon friendly um, and just to not not have to drive and deal with that I wanted to go to a place where guns were unusual um, and all that's great and like one of the, the principal feelings that I have all the time is just this deep 
profound level of incompetence. Like, I don't know how to get things done here. I don't, I am not a master of my environment. So in the States, I was kind of, you know, I knew what to do. I knew how to do it. Uh, I knew how to deal with bureaucracy. I knew who to call for things. Um, you know, I, I, I had this basic level of existential competence. And here, I'm just learning Spanish for, for a whole bunch of reasons. I, I just didn't prioritize it, even in the months when I knew that we were coming here. And even though they speak Catalan, Spanish could kind of, you know, certainly get me by. Like, everybody seems to know Spanish, even though if it's like, be a nicer thing for, for them to hear Catalan, which I hope to learn at some point, Spanish really was the priority. And I don't know it. I'm just, you know, starting as a beginner. You know, I, uh, the other day we went to a laundromat to do our, our sheets and pillowcases and blank and towels and stuff like that. And they only, the, the machines only took one euro coin. So I had to go with a bunch of two euro coins and try to get change. And I practiced and practiced and, and like I was able to say the sentence, can we exchange these for one euro coins? And I was so proud of myself. Like, like that's something a, you know, a two-year-old could do in their native country. Um, so that's kind of the, the level at which I am not competent. So in some sense, it, it reminds me of the stories of my family of, of you know, immigration to the U.S., of the children having to translate for the parents, uh, which you know, our kids are doing for us because their Spanish is, is far better than ours. Um, but it's also making me think, you know, sort of um, empathetically about people who adopt any sort of voluntary change that makes them incompetent. So whether it's, you know, all right, I'm going to go plant-based. Oops, somebody. Donata. See, that was me saying Donata. I was walking here and there's a guy who's selling like giant balloons uh, like tigers and, and Hello Kitty and Spongebob and minions he, fell, he dropped one and it like skidded along the ground toward me and I picked it up and he said gracias and I said de nada like <laughs> that, that actually <laughs> fills me with pride that I, I remembered the right words to say you're welcome <laughs> so I'm sure I'm going to get there, but I don't know to what extent I'm going to get there. Am I ever going to be competent? Am I always going to have an accent that people are going to have to strain to hear? Um, I certainly don't have any way of appearing like wise, knowing, intelligent, clever, like I'm just a, a bumbling foreigner. Uh, you know, imagine someone coming to the U.S. who doesn't speak English. Uh, of course, it's, it's easier here because there are lots of tourists and English is sort of a lingua franca, to use an, an, an ironic term. But, uh, you know, I think about what it's like for people to, to try to make these shifts. Now, I don't really have a choice at this point unless I want to leave and, and pull up and go back. And I've, we've actually you know, invested quite a bit of energy 
and identity and money into at least this year. So I'm not going anywhere. We're gonna we're gonna kind of deal with it and make it work. But like someone who wants to like you know go plant based or change how they exercise, um, do things they've never done before and they're not good at. Um, I'm starting to think about in new ways about some, some of the rules that I've set up for myself or some of the habits that I'm aspiring to remember mindset habits that can support me actually growing in competence when, you know, I mean, honestly, I don't have to learn Spanish. I, I met up with a guy who's lived here for 25 years, someone that I sort of uh, knew professionally. We had some conversations in 06 when I was doing marketing and he lives here and we met up for a beer and apparently you know, he says his Spanish isn't that great after 25 years. You can certainly, you know, be a digital nomad, hang out with the expats, hire people, lawyers and accountants and fixers to, to deal with all your taxes and legal issues and, and residency and immigration. And you can kind of bubble yourself uh, if you have the means and the money. I'm not interested in doing that. I didn't come here to, to live the, you know, insulated digital nomad life. Uh, now, the beach is uh, right in front of me now. So, more waves. And also, I'm walking back. So the wind's at my back, so hopefully the, uh, the wind noise won't be as annoying. I do have a, I forgot about it, I do have a tiny little, uh, I apologize to vegans, it, it's called a dead cat. It's the little sound, furry sound muffler for the microphone that I'm using. Um, but I forgot to put it on, but now it should be better because I'm walking with the wind in my back. Looking up at the Garaf Mountains. So. What have I learned about dealing with the process of going from incompetence to hopefully competence? So what, one thing is to really um, focus on the difference between signal, signal and noise. Like what's important for me to learn? And this, is, this becomes very clear when you're learning a language, right? There are certain words that you use all the time and certain words you use very rarely. So for example, I'm playing ultimate frisbee once or twice a week, so I need to learn all the vocabulary related to ultimate frisbee so that I can stand on the line and understand what they're saying when they say, you know, force wall or force, uh, force C. So, muro or mar. So I know which way to cover someone to defend. Um, so that I can be part of, the, of that team. I've learned how to say foul, fazda, um, and a lot of ultimate lingo is in English because it started in the U.S. Uh, and there's, there's, you know, quite a few expat players here. But just getting those basics was more important than, let's say, you know, how to order in a restaurant, especially because the, you know, the restaurants where we have been have been catering to English-speaking tourists and almost all have an English menu. Um, so, but it's not just, you know, the verbs and the nouns and the adjectives and the, the syntax of language. It's also like, what do I want to get good at here? Uh, mastering public transportation felt very important. Whereas, you know, learning the, the city streets to drive 
uh, was not. Certain lines were more important than others. Um, when we were in Barceloneta, we could take the yellow line until they closed our nearby station, and we had to learn how to walk to a whole different line and different transfers. So, be, you know, not being overwhelmed because we, we have to learn everything. Uh, but understanding which, you know, what are the things that we can learn the quickest that are going to give us the, the biggest positive impact. Um, so I think that's, a, that's a, a, a useful kind of rule, sort of an 80-20 principle to apply, and especially to think about it when things become overwhelming. Uh, something else I'm dealing with is to like, not worry about what other people think of me, because you know, I'm used to being seen as smart. And here I am not seen as smart. No one has any reason to think of me as, as smart. And having to sort of let that go and to not care how I appear to other people, except when I do have to care how I appeal to other people because I'm sort of doing something culturally inappropriate. Whether it's, you know, the, the, the cultural differences here involve like your, you know, tone of voice and speech. It also is a culture that is, um, has very different ideas of personal space and how close someone can be to you. And so there are, there are things where I'm like, well, I can, you know, I'm not going to worry about how I act. I'm not going to worry about how other people perceive me, what they think of me. And there are areas where I do, where I have to think about how am I coming across and what am I inadvertently communicating. And in those cases, when I mess up, uh, a sense of humor <laughs> is essential. And a sense of humor doesn't, for me, doesn't mean being really funny. It means being humble enough to sort of smile and shrug and laugh at yourself and let other people in on the joke. That, oh, okay. This is, this, is how it, this is how it goes. So Mia, my wife, is very good at that when she's sort of flirting with people and she knows, you know, que tal, buenos dias. And then her knowledge just runs out. And, and at that point, she's like smiling and shrugging and saying, that's all I've got. And even doing, you know, talking in English to say, you know, I don't have any more Spanish. So, and that, and that charms people. So, you know, we're you know, building kind of a, a human connection, connection there. One of the things that has been hardest from a, from a food navigation perspective is the timing. So it's pretty easy for me to eat, it's extremely easy for me to eat vegan here. And once we have, now that we have a kitchen, it's very easy for me to eat healthy with the greengrocer, you know, just down, just 50 feet down the street, 50 yards down the street. And in two different stores that are sort of like little, little Whole Foods or, uh, you know, local um, natural food stores with, with sort of high-end stuff so we can get our, you know, soy sauce or sesame oil or nutritional yeast or ground flax, all that stuff. What's been really hard is fitting into this culture around the timing of meals. So the big thing is people don't eat dinner until 10 o'clock at night. Uh, you know, I'll walk around and I see, you know, families, like you go, you go, to, you go out on a weeknight and there are families with toddlers playing at the playground at 11 o'clock p.m. They're, they're sitting and eating 
11.30, midnight. They're just, you know, the party's just getting started. And there have been plenty of, uh, of situations where I had decided, like, no, I want to stop eating at 5 so that I can, you know, fully digest. And it just, it just didn't work from a fitting-in perspective. And so it also, you know, along with that 80-20, it's like, where do I want to compromise? Where is it important for me to be completely 100% and where can I let go of some things? Like, what's, is, is my, you know, 12 to 14 hour daily fasting window that important? Is it important at all? Is it important right now? You know, obviously we don't want to be eating 24-7 and it's a great way to, you know, gain weight to, to eat right before bed. And yet, if, if I'm, you know, participating in a gathering. So that person that I, that I had known professionally a while back invited me, hey, you know, sort of texted me, hey, want to grab a beer? That was on like 9.30 at night. And I had to just like, well, first of all, I don't exactly know how to grab a beer. Like, that's not the sort of thing that I typically do or have done. Um, anyway, I'm going to, I'm heading back, so I'm heading away from the ocean now, so I'm crossing the oceanfront um, street, and I'm heading up into a portion of the old city. So we should start hearing uh, more and more sort of conversation, um, or I'll be passing, you know, areas of residence and shops. Uh, right now I'm going to have to sneak past uh, a car that uh, actually I can't get through because the doors are open. <laughs> that's, how, that's how narrow the road is. It's so sort of Chevrolet sports car. When the doors are open, I actually can't pass without hitting them. So I'm going to head up a different street. Uh, but this idea of you know, some some things that I have thought were absolute rules for my life are are less so. So even even if I'm doing like when I would um, meditate, you know, absolutely twice a day, I could always meditate in the evening before bed because it was you know nine or ten if I'm these days I'm rarely going to bed before 11 11 30 midnight and honestly I'm falling asleep like I'm, I say, oh, I'm gonna meditate now and the next thing I know it's three in the morning and the, the garbage truck woke me up so yeah there's a uh, there's a way in which uh, the, the environment is asking something different of me. And it's, it's, it's asking me a fundamental question because I've, you know, it's really efficient to set up these rules and then, then not think about them anymore. Like, okay, I know that eating this way is good for me, having this for breakfast. I know that meditating at this time and this time is good for me. And once I've locked it in, I don't have to keep thinking about it. Here comes a motorcycle. Well, I guess it's a a scooter, smaller than a motorcycle. Uh, once I've locked it in, I don't have to think about it again. Except not thinking about it again means that situations can change and I'm locked into a bunch of patterns that were optimal once but may no longer be optimal. They may no longer be the most useful thing that I could be doing to optimize not just, let's say, uh, my, my fitness or my health, but really my whole life. And 
allowing me not just to be completely pure, but to also fit in with, with my new society. So this is all kind of the stuff that I'm thinking about. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say struggling with, but sometimes struggling with. Um, all right, so now I'm walking. This is the, the old city shopping district. There, there are fashion stores. There's a, a store selling sort of weird, fancy kitchen gadgets. Yes, 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 yes. There's a bilingual conversation. Passing a, uh, a, a frozen dessert shop. Some of it's vegan, some of it isn't. Coffee and tea. Shoes. So it's it's August. So this is the this is the month of big sales, and this is the month when everybody leaves the hot cities and tries to go somewhere cool. This year, <laughs> cool is not exactly cool it, uh, it may go down to 80 at night and that's you know after being in the in the 90s or hundreds in some of the, the inland cities like Madrid and, uh, and and some places that are farther south uh, than Barcelona near the near the North African coast uh, here the weather's pretty good we do have AC and AC is discouraged so the two things that are discouraged here are energy, using energy and using water. There's a, a terrible drought, and apparently the, the municipal water supply of Barcelona is down in 20% range. They've turned off all the water at all, pretty much every beach. So you know, the little showers for your feet to get the sand off, those are all off. Uh, I'm walking past the little I, I, Apple store right now. You know, a 10, 10% sale on Macs and iPads for a back to school. Uh, sunglasses and now this is now coming up on the, the main shopping drag it's wider I'm in the square where was it last weekend I think or two weekends ago um, there was a, uh, a, fest, a little festival here and there were a bunch of people making human towers so if, you, uh, if you're interested in that you can uh, just google you know Catalonia human towers and you'll see examples uh, also when we walk around at night last night we walked around and we saw groups practicing their um, singing and dancing and, um, and various acrobatic stuff apparently there's a, a festival coming up in about three weeks called uh, Fest, Festa Mayor or Festa Major the big, big festival here and we were, we were warned that we will not sleep for about four days due to all the noise and that when the parade comes down our street, we need to cover our windows or else they're going to get damaged. Uh, some, it, it involves um, dragons shooting fireworks out of their mouths and tails, um, lots of musical instruments and singing and dancing and parades, um, The more of the uh, very large... Um, Sort of pu puppetry and these towers and uh, so part of me really wants to be here for that and really enjoy it and part of me <laughs> wants to get the hell out of Dodge uh, what I what I heard from from someone who lives here is that roughly there is a town of I would say about 3,000 permanent residents um, and the 250,000 people descend on the city during this uh, this week especially the, the two main days of the 23rd and the 24th. 
So I really want to see what that's like, and I really want to get out. And that's, that's also a uh, feeling like a very common <laughs> dichotomy in my life right now is, you know, how much of something can I tolerate? And how much, you know, do I resist it? Because there's a lot of stuff here, you know, there's, there's a, you know, people have dogs that just, you know, they stay with them, but they're not on leashes and not everybody picks up after them. And so there's lots of things that I can look at and say, well, this is suboptimal from my perspective. Or even like, I want to like tell people off, like you should not do this. And, you know, it feels, it feels very wrong to tell people off in not their own language. Like I really don't have the, uh, the credibility or the right to, uh, to inter, you know, interject my thoughts into their, uh, their culture here, even though like, you know, this, this is gross, this is wrong, this could be so much better, done some other way. Like, I have all that. And then there's also like just letting go, like I don't have control over stuff. And I don't know better than the people who've had this culture going for hundreds and hundreds of years. And this isn't just, you know, a short experiment in what culture looks like. This is, this is something that has, you know, sort of organic staying power. And so being, being able to just go with the flow and say like, okay, so this, this four day festival, I will figure it out. And if I want to live here, I don't, I could probably pick and choose. I probably could go and, you know, go on hotels.com or Airbnb and like escape and, you know, maybe push comes to shove, I'll do it. But I also want to be someone who can live here. So North Carolina, where we lived, wasn't perfect. I just got, you know, got used to the things that weren't. And, and some of them were pretty profoundly imperfect. Like I really didn't have a community. I really could spend, I was 20 minutes away by car from just about any commercial center where you'd see people. It wasn't just sort of, you know, we had like, you know, three or four neighbors on our road that we were friendly with, but everybody's busy all the time, so you don't get to see them all that much. Uh, like, there was a way in which I was profoundly lacking in community where I lived, but, you know, I made do with that. And here I have this opportunity to, to grow community. Uh, I bought a, a cheap violin uh, in the, the, the town just south of us on the train line, Villanova y la so that I could, you know, reach out to people in local Facebook groups and who, who do some music. So I might do some jazz or, or folk or rock fiddling with people just to meet people. And I don't have to go anywhere and, every, and people are everywhere. Like as I'm walking now, there's just, just dozens of people everywhere I turn. And so, you know, just because I had become very comfortable doesn't mean that it was optimal and here, you know, there's no such thing as, you know, perfection. I don't get to have a, a full, rich community where everyone is as quiet as I want them to be all the time and nobody, uh, you know, lets, their, lets their, their dog do messes. So, every, you know, everything is some kind of a, a balancing act. So I'm heading back now towards the top of my street. So I've taken us on a... Uh, on a loop. Uh, I don't know if the, the wind has stopped or whether it was just just blowing by the ocean and so I don't really feel it now so I'm hoping that it's not bothering the microphone. 
Uh, but now, you know, I'm at the top of the street, so I have another maybe 100, 100 yards to go until I get back to my door when I'm going to switch this off. So I, people, if I, if I see anyone in the uh, lobby of my apartment building, they, they don't hear me just you know, babbling on to myself in English. Anyway, I hope this is uh, for people who care about what I'm up to. I hope this has given you some sort of, some sort of insights. Um, if you liked it, I can, I can do more. It's, it's really it's fun to walk around. Plus, I get steps. Steps is another thing. Like when we were in Barcelona, living in Barcelona, it was hard not to get 20,000 steps a day if you stepped outside. There's always stuff to do and places to go. And, you know, the subway stops are so close together. The metro stops. It was almost like, well, I could take the metro, but I could just walk to the next stop. Uh, here, it's, uh, it's a smaller place. And they do have pretty good, there's three bus routes. So if I do want to go to the bigger supermarket area, it's not a beautiful walk. It's through, you know, sort of hills and hoity-toity residential apartment buildings, and then it turns into a kind of a, uh, a semi-sort of industrial area where they can put up big supermarkets that are that are cheaper per square foot, and they also have you know warehouses and big car washes and and storage units. Um, you know, there's a bus for that. So uh, it's harder to get steps here. So I actually have been you know, using an app to uh, kind of incentivize me to, to, take, to take more steps. You know what I'm going to do? Before I go back into the apartment, I'm going to head down to the greengrocer and I'll pick up some fresh berries. I think I'm going to get uh, a little packet of blueberries and raspberries. And then I'm going to slice, slice some bananas, and then Mia and I are going to have a late afternoon snack before we decide what we're going to do for, for late dinner. So again, thank you for being a listener. If you have any, any requests, anything you want me to talk about, I do have uh, a lot more interviews coming up. I'm kind of back in the, sw- in the swing of things and really enjoying it. And, um, you know, if there's people, you know, man on the street or woman on the street interviews you want me to do here, if you want to find out more, about my life, just let me know. You can reach me on, on Facebook or hj at plantyourself.com or however else people find me. And um, that's it for this walking tour of Sitges, Spain. So as always, be well, my friends. <laughs>